Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to start reading in verse 24. Hey, Mr. Sound Engineer, uh, it sounds like I'm feeding back just a little bit, so if you could be attentive, that'd be great. Uh, Genesis chapter 25 and verse 24, the Bible says that when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb, and the first to come out was red, because he was blessed, because God gives ginger hair to his favorites, that's... That's the truth, yeah. Every Bible-believing Christian say amen, amen. That's, yeah, thank you, I appreciate that affirmation and favoritism, thank you, Lord. Um, and his body was hairy, like a hairy garment. That's not mine, so, okay. So they named him Esau. And after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Okay, we're going to go over now to Genesis chapter 32. And the Bible says, That night Jacob got up with his two wives. <laughs> he must have had a lot of money, but um, <laughs> I've only got one because that's the only one I love. Yeah, the only one I desire and the only one I can afford. That's the truth. <laughs> his two maidservants and his 11 sons. There was not a lot of laughter there. Like even husbands were like, I don't think I'm allowed to laugh right now. Come on, man, get my back. And his 11 sons, and they crossed the ford of the Jabbok. It sounds like something from Star Wars, doesn't it? And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. So we're reading today about the third generation and this journey that begins with Abraham. Abraham, our great father in the faith, given that promise by God, had to wait 33 years, and then finally along came little Isaac. Isaac was his only son. Then the Bible says Abraham died and went to be with the Lord, and Isaac, sorry, Abraham died and went to be with the Lord. Isaac then had two boys, and their names were Esau and Jacob. Esau was the elder, and Jacob was the younger. And the Bible says about the younger one, Jacob, that he was born and when he came out of his mother's womb, he was holding the ankle of his elder brother. Elder only by minutes, I assume, and out come little Esau. And then after Esau, grasping his heel is his brother whom they named Jacob. They named him Jacob for one reason, because he was grasping his brother's heel. Now, have you ever watched somebody out there running? Maybe you've played rugby at some time in your life. I've played two games, got knocked out both times, never played again. That is a bad game. People who are my size should not play it. But you know, when people are running away from you in rugby, you're allowed to tap their heel. 
I like to play that game when people are making their way up staircases and you just grab their rear foot. It's hilarious. Watching them trying to struggle to get their foot down. This is what Jacob did. He grasped his brother's heel. It's been the only event of his life. It's the only thing he's done in his life. Yet he was named from one event, one moment, became the definition of who he was. And the truth is that I'm talking to people today who the reality is that it doesn't really matter some of the good experiences that have happened to you in your life overshadowing all of that in many minds and hearts, if we're honest, is one moment. One thing that recurs in your dreams, that comes awake in moments of fear in your life. Anyone know what I'm talking about? This world is full of people just like Jacob. Hello, am I talking to anybody? He's experienced this moment, and because of this moment, it lurks on the inside of him. He has been defined by it. His parents named him. They said, this is who you are. You are Jacob. Now, I'm sure in every campus I'm talking to today, there are at least one or two Jacobs, and you were named that by your parents, not because of his name, but because of him, because this man went on to become Israel and the inspiration of his journey that you can become the youngest of two brothers and then become a nation of people that it doesn't matter where you started. If God's got a promise over your life, you can go anywhere, do anything, become anyone. That's why your parents named you Jacob. But his name Jacob is totally different to our understanding. The word Jacob literally means he who grasps at the heel or he who supplants to trip up another, to trick another, to get in the way of another. His parents named him that. This is who you are. It shaped his view of himself, shaped the way he lived his life, the way he interacted with people. Friends, it came in the way of everything about his world, the way he determined what he was going to do, his reactions, his choices, his response to stimulus, all came from this understanding that he had. He thought to himself, I am Jacob. And the truth is, in this auditorium this morning, in these auditoriums, we all have a way that we view ourselves and a way that we view the world that is around us. And that way of seeing ourselves has been conditioned by our experiences, by what has been spoken over us, by what we have been through in our lives. Our world and events have shaped us. Our parents have said things and people have said things and events have happened to us. And the truth is of far greater consequence in your life than any bone that you might break or skateboard you might fall off is some word that people have said or some label that has been put over you or some failure that recurs in your mind or lurking feeling of shame that you carry in your spirit and heart that is there in the dark places of the night and the lonely places of your lives. We all have been shaped by the life that we're living. And he said to himself, he said, I am Jacob. Our successes, our failures, our abuses, the way other people treat us, create within each and every one of us a mindset that determines how we see ourselves. I am Jacob. When we look at Jacob's life, we realize that even though his parents might have named this for something that happened before he could even poop with control or put one foot in front of the other, 
that this label that hung over his life determined the way that he lived his life. I mean, when his brother had the birthright and Jacob wanted it, he just supplanted for it. He deceived his father, stole the birthright, got it as his own. When he wasn't happy with what his uncle Laban was paying him, and he felt that he was deserving of higher wages, he manipulated Laban in order to get the livestock that were Laban's to be his, to get what he wanted, he supplanted for it. He deceived for it. He manipulated for it. He lived out the picture of this is who I am. I am Jacob. Now, particular importance for us on this post-conference Sunday is to make note of the fact that Jacob had a moment, a life-changing encounter with God. I mean, in his moment with God, he literally saw the heavens opened. He saw the throne of God. He saw Jesus upon the throne. He saw a ladder going from earth to heaven and angels ascending and descending upon it. He had an incredible encounter with God and that encounter with God changed the way that he saw God. Unfortunately, it didn't change the way that he saw Jacob. And on this moment, on this Sunday, I think it is incredibly important for us to stop and consider that there is a power in having a moment with God. I, if you listen to my preaching regularly, will know I am a big believer in having a moment with God. I think Christians need moments. I think marriages need moments. I think families need moments. I think we need moments. And of all the moments in our lives that are the most important, a moment when we see God for who He really is, it's like it just scrapes away all of the clutter and the, the dust and the mold and allows us to get with true vision the magnitude and wonder of who our God is. I think we need moments, do you? And we've just come out of a RISE conference. I need you to give me a little wave if you've had any inkling of a moment with God in the last week. Look at all these hands, hundreds. I mean, we've had moments with God and you need them. Because when you come alive to Jesus and you discover Him for who He really is, when you're awakened in a moment, this is of exceptional importance. But friends, the truth is that the danger of moments with God is that we begin to hinge too much on one event. We start to think that one moment is gonna fix everything. One date won't heal a faulty marriage. One moment with God won't alter a generation of of problems in your life. It's not gonna erase every wrong. It's not gonna deal with every deception. It's not gonna cure every ache in the heart. And if if we only fixate on a moment, then our lives are not gonna experience the fullness of what God has. And even if you don't wanna hear it, you just need to. Because in our lives, if we're not careful, we begin to over leverage a moment. We can come to God and we can have an incredible encounter. Our lives are awakened and then we go home and we're still plagued by the same fears. We can come to summer camp as a teenager and say, man, God's got a call for my life and then walk into school and still face the same bully. You can have a moment where your life becomes awakened to God, but you're still processing the same abuse you experienced as a child. Still having the recurring images of that secret sin coming alive within your life. You can have an epiphany of encounter with Jesus and then still struggle with the same addictions on Tuesday. If we're not careful, we over leverage the moment because the moment, the moment is important But the truth is, my friends, that one moment won't fix everything. And without a change in the way that we see ourselves, 
we're going to keep coming back to where we were. Because this is what our lives are like. We have, we have stuff that we're carrying. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm having moments with God, but even though I'm having a moment with God, I've still got things that are around me. I've still got the way that I see me. I'm still, I'm still walking my journey, and, and I've got my experiences, and I've got my mistakes, and I've got what I've been through, and I'm carrying, I'm carrying it. And because I'm carrying it, I can come awake in a moment and I can say, God, you've got your hand on my life. I'm a world changer. And I start to run forward, but then my fears will pull me back. Or I can come alive to Jesus and I can say, you know what? I am literally got God's hand upon my life. And then the same moment I see that temptation, it can just pull me back. That, that conflict can rule me. The image that I have of me is going to be a far greater consequence in my life than the moments that happen to me. Because at the end of the day in my life, I'm going to have these moments, and these moments are incredibly powerful, but at the end of the day, we still have the same bungee. The things around us, this is, this is our bungee, what's around me, what's, what's happening to me. We, we all have a past that needs to be healed. We all have an identity that needs to be established. We're all carrying the pain of what we've been through in our lives, what people have spoken over us. It's a bungee. It's a bungee. And we become awakened, but then we get pulled back. And we've just come out of a RISE conference and we're alive right now, and so we should be. I'm not anti that, I'm pro that. But I'm just saying, just because you're awake right now to Jesus and you've had a moment with Him, I don't want any Christian to think for a, 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 a second that because you've had a moment with God, that in six months you're going to feel the same way you do now. Because at the end of the day, my friends, it is true of our lives that our moments will eventually succumb to our mindsets. My moments might awaken me, but the way I see me is going to have far greater long-term impact on the life that I live. I can, I can be awake with a sense of calling, but I can still have the same issues, still have the same hurts, still have the same fears. And Jacob had a moment, but the truth is eventually, he was just back to being Jacob. You read over a couple of pages and he's Jacob again. He's just Jacob again. New pressure, same Jacob. New month, same reality. And so something in our lives has got to change because at the end of the day, I believe in the power of a moment, but the truth is of greater consequence in my life than any one moment is the pattern of my thinking. The way I see me is gonna have much greater impact than the experiences that are around me. We can have a life that is full of promise, but we have a mind that is full of experiences. We can have a dream that God is trying to give to us, but we have an ingrained way of living that is in our hearts and in our minds. And the thing about it is that moments, moments are catalytic. And we need moments. But even though the moment might be catalytic, the mindset is the decider. What's gonna shape the way I live my life is not gonna be the, mo the moment, but it's gonna be the mindset. We've all got this bungee. We have a bungee in our lives because Ephesians 2.1 tells us that we were born spiritually dead in our sins. 
Because we were born in our sin, we immediately were open for other things to shape us, to mold us, to be the way that we perceive ourselves other than the identity that God has for us. Because sin is in our lives, then the bungee comes to our lives. Because we do fail and we do have setbacks and we are mistreated and people do put labels over us. And because we are spiritually dead, we live a life that is independent from God and that self-life gives birth to the bungee. And Jacob has lived a life. He's acted as Jacob and he's been hurt as Jacob. He's experienced as Jacob and he's loved as Jacob and he's been treated as Jacob. I am Jacob. I am Jacob. This has become the way that he sees himself. And when we come alive to Jesus, oh man, if you don't know Jesus in any of our services today, at the end of this meeting, we're gonna give you that opportunity and that one moment with God is gonna begin the greatest eternal change that any person can ever experience. I want you to understand that it will bring a radical shift to everything in your life most importantly, your eternal destination. God doesn't want you going to hell, He wants you going to heaven. And even though we might walk through hell on earth, we can know that heaven is our home and that's God's guarantee and that's what He wants for every person so much He sent Jesus to die to purchase it. But even though, even though that might be the reality of our lives, we can live, we can live on this planet and we can live even though we've been awakened to Jesus, we can live without a change in the way that we see the world. We can live with a bungee that's in our minds. I'm Jacob. I'm a failure. I'm an addict. I'm a loser. I'm inadequate. I'm rejected. I'm a grasper. I'm a struggler. I'm a fighter. I'm Jacob. Now this is amazing to me because when Jesus came to announce to us the reality of what God wants, in fact, Jillian just got given this beautiful Bible this week by someone who kindly gave it to her just to say thank you. And, and in the Bible, one of the things that it has is it has the topics that Jesus preached about. And what I love about this Bible is that I'm a headlines kind of guy and so I, I kind of looked at it and, and I like dashboards, just very quick, give me the high numbers, don't give me the detail, I'm bored very quickly. And as I looked across it, it was very easy to note that the most often talked about thing that Jesus discussed while he was on earth was the kingdom of God. He came to announce another reality. He came to announce a higher law. He came to announce a new dispensation. He came to declare over our lives that we're not bound by the kingdom of earth. We're not bound by the laws of man, that you're not to live, I'm not to live restricted, hemmed in, defined, consumed in my mind by what the world would say about me, by what people have said about me, the abuse that has happened to me, the things that I struggle with, the fears that I nurse. No, these are not God's intention for me. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, love and righteousness and joy. He came to bring healing and freedom and blessing. That's what Jesus came to bring. And the very first thing that Jesus told us, he said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Now what's amazing about that is he didn't say rejoice for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said repent. Now many Christians think that they are not repenting unless they come to the front of a church service, fall on their knees and snot comes from their nose and tears are blubbering as they conjure up an image of that sin that is in their minds. And if they can look really like they're sorry enough, sorry enough that somehow God is gonna forgive me. Penitence is not repentance. Contrition is not to turn away from your sin. Repentance literally means to change your mind. Literally in the original Greek, the Bible is saying, I want you to realize, Jesus is saying, I want you to understand that there is another reality coming. And if this reality is gonna become your reality, then what's gonna have to change is your mindset. You're gonna have to change the way that you think. He said, you need something different because you can get excited about the coming kingdom of God and never receive it. Hello? You can have a moment and not walk in the reality of it. I need you to understand this. You can come alive with a vision and be the same person in six months time. Because at the end of the day, the moment is catalytic, but the mindset is what makes the difference. And so we're here today to talk about the bungee because I don't believe for a second that it is God's will for any person here in this talk in every campus in our church to live with that bungee holding you back. Oh no, my friend, there is a kingdom of God that is on the inside of you. God is wanting to break the bungee and set you free so that you can run and not be held back. If you believe me, could you give me a little amen out there? Good preaching, John. I like it myself. The truth is, my friend, that your excitement will not outlast what you believe. That's why Jesus said, repent. Because what you perceive to be real is gonna be more long-term impacting in your life than the hype you have in any session of a conference. Hello? What you believe will outlast what you're excited about right now. That's the truth. Your mindset will outlast your moment. And that's why God comes to our lives and He says, I wanna do a work in you because I wanna break that bungee. God doesn't want you living with the mindset you had when you were dead in your sin. God doesn't want you living with the fears that you nursed before you realized that Jesus was alive on the inside of you. God doesn't want you living, feeling like you're unclean and unworthy of His love when Jesus went to the cross to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That sin isn't bigger than Jesus. Your struggle with sin is not too big that you can't be free of it. Your past is not so dark that you can't be redeemed from it. Your abuse is not too great that Jesus can't bring you out of it. Come on, if you believe that, I need you to praise God for the person on your left, on your right, in front of you and behind you, that Jesus saves, heals, frees, and restores. If you believe it, give me a loud amen. So we've got a bungee and we've got to deal with it. So how do we break that bungee? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse two, that we should not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then we will be able to approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, His perfect will. When's that gonna happen? 
His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When do I know it? When I'm renewed in my mind. When my mind is free, the bungee is broken. When I see myself the way God sees me, then I am delivered from where I have come from. When in my heart of hearts, I am delivered from what has held me captive, what has plagued me in the night, what has tempted me in the day, what has caused me to shrink back when I would step forward, what has gone deep into my heart that has allowed me to be hesitant when I should be confident. When I'm free of that, I will understand the will that God has for me. I have to break the bungee. I have to break the bungee. And that's what this series is gonna be about over this next period of time because my friends, we need to understand so deeply within us that we serve a God who loves us enough not just to bring us out of the world and then leave us with fears on the inside of us. Do you understand that the God that you worship is not the God of fear? 1 John 4, 8, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. In other words, the redemptive work of Christ is not mature in my life if I am plagued with fears. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying the series is gonna help, right? I must admit, I've spent the last three days snowboarding and I hate chairlifts. I am afraid of heights. I hate heights. When it stops, I pray in the spirit. My, my son, it's worse when Will is next to me because I love him so much. I don't want to give him my fears, but if he wriggles, I think, I just, I don't know, it's weird. So I, have, I need this series too, but what I'm saying is we've all got problems in our lives and God doesn't want you just to have a moment and then six months later, you're not moving any further in the journey that He has for you. That's not what God wants. God wants you to have moments that are catalytic and mindsets that set you free so that you can step into the fullness of what He has. Come on, if you believe that, shout amen today. God doesn't want us living though we've been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness if the kingdom of darkness is still in the heart of who we are. We say in the church that God has three desires for every person, and I believe it, that God wants to take you out of the world, God wants to take the world out of you, and God wants to put you back into the world so that you can show the world how wonderful your God is. Now, people have tried to mess with this as preachers, but let's just leave it there. The reality is you can't mess with that. God doesn't want you going to hell. God wants you going to heaven. God doesn't want you living with hell in your heart. He wants you living with heaven in your heart. And God doesn't want you letting other people go to hell. He wants you to rescue them too. So if you, even if you don't believe it, it's true. But the danger becomes if you're a Christian who's only come out of the world, but the world is still living on the inside of you, then at the end of the day, the power of your life will never be maximized to the full potential that God wants. So we've got to break that bungee. We've got to break that bungee. We've got to deal with why I keep falling back into that sin. We've got to deal with why I feel that nagging sense of inferiority. We've got to deal with why I am so easily triggered. We have to deal with it. We have to break the bungee. God loves us enough not to leave us where we are because God's will for our lives will always be greater than a bad mindset will allow us to receive. Jacob, I am Jacob. Actually, Ben, you can come and join me. Jacob, Jacob, 
He makes us a long way in this journey. You can't deny it. Even though he doesn't believe it, God's promise is still being revealed in his life. Isn't it amazing how you can journey a long way with Jesus even if you don't believe him? Isn't it amazing that Joshua was able to lead the Israelite people through the Jordan River into the promised land even though he still felt like he was a slave in Egypt? Have you ever read that scripture? Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. He left Egypt 40 years ago. I'm not just preaching to teenagers today. 40 years ago. And God did a healing work. Jacob. Jacob's first moment with God is a moment when he's asleep and he has a vision. And man, I love moments with God. I love moments in worship. I love encounters with Jesus. I do, I really do. But the truth is, man, those are the easy moments. If you don't worship at a rise church, if you don't like feel engaged in worship, if you don't like sing and close your eyes at least, probably best picture scenario, just lift your hands. But if you just like zone out in the worship in our church, you're backslidden. There ain't any help for you. Our worship is so flat out awesome. I mean, these guys, people come in, non-Christians sit next to me in services and go, how much do you pay these guys? And I'm like, do you wanna know the best part? They volunteer. I mean, it's just amazing. But he has the first vision and it's just God turning up in his life. As amazing as those moments are, I found in my life that they're not the most impacting. The second moment, and this is what I'm believing for us across the series, the second moment that Jacob had was before he faced his greatest fear. The thing Jacob was more afraid of than anything else was his brother Esau. And the night before he faced his worst fear, the Bible tells us he's in the dead of night, he's all alone, He's beside a brook and along comes a man. They start to fight. You fight your biggest fights in the dead of night. Fight your biggest fights when you're all alone. He's fighting. He's alone. He's struggling. His biggest fear is on the horizon. And the Bible says that as the day is about to break, as the day is about to appear, the man realizes that Jacob is just not gonna quit in this battle. So he touches the socket of his hip. Ow. Twice in my life I've dislocated a shoulder. Have you ever done it? I mean, we watched it on television last night. I was in pain watching it. And I've done it twice to this, this shoulder playing squash both times. Because, I know it's supposed to be a, a risk game, but I hate losing. I'll, I threw everything and eventually threw it right out. Your hip, that's pain I don't want to know about. Can you imagine having your hip out of its socket? Pain. Jacob, I am Jacob. The Bible says that Jesus, the man he's wrestling with is Jesus, attempts to walk away and Jacob just won't let him go. I got a question. If your hip is out of socket and you're grabbing hold of someone and you're not letting go, what are you grabbing? You're grabbing their shoulder? 
I don't think so. You grabbing their waist? Only if you could reach for it. What's he grabbing? He's grabbing his ankle. Let me go. I won't. Let me go. I won't. Let me go. I won't let you go unless you bless me. Okay. So what's your name? What's your name? At the moment he asks the question, he's doing exactly what he believes he should be doing. He's grasping his heel. He says, I'm Jacob. That's who I am. What I'm doing is who I am. Really. Honesty precedes life change. Not putting on your Sunday smile, but giving an honest picture to God. Not, hey. And God said, well, here's the thing. That's not who you are. Your name is Israel. You're not a grasper. You're an overcomer. And friend, I just don't know if you can quite grasp that if you can see yourself the way God sees you, if your mindset can become like the mind of Christ, then what has bound you, held you, back all your life, you can be free of. When you realize, how? How do we break this mindset? We'll come back next week. Because <laughs> we've got a whole series. That's what we're gonna talk about. Bring somebody tonight who needs to hear this talk. But he said, you're not, you're not Jacob. No, you're not bound, you're not held back, no. You are Israel. You're free from what has bound you. You're not held back by what has limited you. You're not, you're not, you're not what people have said about you. You're not what your fears have tried to make you think is gonna happen to you. You're not the abuse that you've suffered. You're not the neglect that your parents gave you. You're not your shame. You're not your secret sin. You're not bound by what went on yesterday. You're not an addict. You're not a reject. You're not a loser. You are an overcomer. You are a conqueror. You are a child of the Most High God. You're living. You will know victory. Jesus is on your side. Redemption is your portion. Heaven is your home. The King of Kings makes His heart home in your heart. If you believe it, give God some praise in this place right now. Give God some praise in this place right now. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.